Welcome to the Subpodcast, the podcast that can help you grow greener thumbs. Subpod designed a revolutionary underground composting system, and we know a thing or two about gardening. My name's Noah. I'm Subpod's writer, and I'm a bit of a worm enthusiast. And I'm Peter. I'm a compost nerd with a background in environmental science. Welcome back to the Subpodcast, everybody. Yeah, welcome, everybody. Today is an exciting episode. It's an episode about why we chose worms. And this episode is for anybody out there that has really started to scroll the internet and looked at all the different composting options and noticed that some of them require worms. So we're going to be talking a bit about why worms are special, why they're easy to compost with, and how the subpod actually creates a space and environment to help worms thrive. Awesome. All right, let's just jump straight in, Peter. Why would a company like Subpod choose to team up with compost worms or why would an average composter want to jump in with a composting system that uses worms? Yeah, good question, Noah. I guess for the listeners out there, let's look at the other options. So if you're not composting with worms, then you're relying on microbes. And if you're relying on microbes, then you're going to have to play by the rules and the rules are you've got to create a big pile you've got to monitor that moisture have the correct ingredients Uh, you also it's good to look at the temperature as well so there's a lot of factors to play in there so worms are a lot easier if you if you're composting worms all you need to worry about is the happiness and the of the worms itself and they'll they will eat the food they'll do the hard work So is the big difference there, I guess, that with a compost system that relies mostly on microbes, things like the ratios of carbon to nitrogen, and for anyone who's not too sure about what we're talking about with this episode, if you listen to our previous episode, everything you need to know about compost, we'll go over all of these terms, but carbon and nitrogen are really the ratios of dry and wet ingredients you put into a compost pile. And in a system that doesn't use compost worms, you have to rely on those ingredients to set off a chain reaction with microbes that get the, t- the temperatures inside a compost heap really warm. And that kind of, that's what sets off the composting process. That one's called hot composting. That's right, Peter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, beautifully said, Noah. That's right. You've got to create that specific environment for the microbes to thrive. But with composting worms, it's a lot easier the love story of worms and subpod started with the inventor, Andrew. And so Andrew's story is that he's been composting for the last 30 years and originally an artist in Perth, Western Australia. And it's quite hot there, but he noticed how a lot of these above ground systems were lacking air. They were prone to getting smelly and sludgy and it just wasn't, wasn't easy to compost. So he started to migrate towards worms and noticed the same problem, that these worms were kept above ground. And even though they were composting food waste easier than the other options of just using microbes and hot compost, they actually were dying in hot conditions because they didn't have enough ventilation. They weren't insulated well enough. And that's where he came to the subpod to put the subpod in the ground because it really just creates the perfect environment for worms to thrive. I love hearing about Andrew's story because he just he's so passionate about composting. And I think that a question that people might have, though, because we're talking about compost worms here, is 
Is there any difference between a compost worm and a regular earthworm that you'd find in your garden? They are all technically earthworms, but there's certain things that sets mm-hmm. them apart. So do you want to speak a little bit about the differences between these worms? Yeah, I'd love to. So composting worms, really the main thing that separates them apart is their appetite for food waste. And in nature, they actually exist on a forest floor. And on the forest floor, there is a lot of organic matter. And these little guys just consume this organic matter all year round. And the opposite side is a normal earthworm, or not the opposite side, is their distant cousin, is the the average earthworm you would find in your garden. These little guys just don't have that same sort of appetite. And they have different habits and 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 living environments. But the main difference here is that we're we're taking a compost worm because they eat a lot of food waste. And that's really what we want to do here, compost quickly and efficiently. There's four worms that we usually use out there and they're night crawlers, they're reds, tigers, and blues. That's not their scientific name, but that's what you hear most worm dealers call them. Sounds a little bit sexier to be like, yeah, I've got reds and blues in mine. It's very American, you know, a little bit of patriotism in your garden never hurts. I think. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great to have a variety as well because some of them thrive in different temperatures. So by that same idea, creating diversity has resilience to it. Absolutely. And something that is interesting is that we tell people not to just get worms from their backyard and put it in the sub pod. And that's not necessarily because there isn't compost worms in your backyard. It's just that there's probably a mixture of compost worms and earthworms in your soil. And it's very difficult to tell which one is which. And in the US, compost worms aren't found in nature very often anyway. So it is much more likely that you've just got regular earthworms in your backyard and they're just not primed for what the sub pods used for. Exactly. That's right. I'd love to talk a little bit about why worms are kind of special to me and, and other people out there because some people may not realize that worms have been pretty famous in history. Charles Darwin actually researched worms for the rest of his life after he wrote his book, Origin of Species. So, And he said at the end of his life, he had another lifetime, he would just spend it on worms. He was so fascinated about them. Aristotle called them the intestines of the earth. So throughout history these iconic people who are uh, fascinated by nature have seen the amazement of worms of their ability to take in that raw matter and poop out soil which is the foundation of our life so worms have been highly regarded yeah i i love that quote by aristotle worms are the intestines of the earth because it's a really great rounding together of what worms actually do so if you think about it The planet breathes, we know that it draws in CO2 and exhales oxygen. So so trees are like the planet's lungs. And if trees are the planet's lungs, Mm. then worms are the planet's stomach, really. Everything that dies on this earth ends up in the soil. And microbes do their part? Absolutely. We spoke about that in our previous episode about microbes. But worms, these guys are the heavy lifters, especially compost worms. They get in there, they just wriggle around and they munch on everything and then they get out. And yeah, I think... They're they're almost like the transport device for the microbes, like the big trains. They harvest them in their... They've got the microbes in their gut and they poop them out around. Yes, I saw the same as the transport. 
for getting these little microbes around. Yeah, the, 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 the trains <laughs> of the underground, the underground railroad yeah, system. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's and it's cool to gonna... think about that on a big scale of the planet, and it's just as cool to think about it in your garden, which is really what Subpod does. You could think about Subpod, and we spoke about Subpod as a factory in previous episodes, but you could think about it as a train station too. Like, it's this little this little place where the trains go in, and they, they fuel up, and they get their passengers, which are the microbes, and then they head out back into your garden. And they spread those microbes around in the soil. And yeah, that's that's really why Subpod chose compost worms, because that symbiosis with soil and with waste and nature, it just makes it really intuitive for a person to compost their food waste and be able to do it relatively carefree. Yeah, 100%. I want to dive a little bit deeper into the gardening aspects of worms, but maybe we should Cut to a break first, Noah. This is Damon from That Sugar Film in 2040. What I have discovered is that healthy soils are crucial to our own health. And right now, they're in real trouble. In fact, we would need to eat eight oranges today to get the same level of vitamin A that a single orange had 70 years ago. The easy to use sub pod allows you to build nutrient rich soil in your own backyard by breaking down your household food waste. Perfect for any home, school or restaurant. Head to subpod.com and join the largest underground movement in the world. Okay, so I was just talking a little bit about how worms are kind of like those trains and they're taking nutrients and microbes out into your garden from the subpod. Do you want to speak a little bit more about that one, Peter? Yes, I'd love to. Why, why are we so happy when we see earthworms in the garden? Well, it's because they show signs of fertility in the soil. And actually, back in the day, farmers used to evaluate their land by digging a hole and lifting up and counting the amount of worms would be on their shovel. And that's how, that, how fertile they would know their land is and, and could sell it based on that value. Isn't that crazy? That's insane. And if we went by those same measures today, I don't think houses or properties would go for very much to you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. I don't. But we take that same concept to the subpod. When you have a full pumping subpod at about three months and the population is built up, like you would easily have 10,000 worms in that subpod. And back to that analogy of the trains coming in and out, you would have... I don't know. I don't want to put a number on it, but a lot of worms coming back and forth. And and what are they doing in that soil? Do you want to share a little bit about it, Noah? Yeah. So when your worms go in and out from your subpod, we mentioned that they bring microbes into the soil, but they also aerate your garden soil, which it makes it easier for water to flow deeper down into your garden. And it creates a reservoir of water that your plants can tap into. So if you've ever had a house plant that started to look a little bit rough around the edges and you've gone to water it and that water sat on the surface of the soil in the pot for a really long time before sinking down. The reason that that happens is because soil can actually turn hydrophobic and resistant to water over time if it dries out too much. And part of the reason that happens is because it's just not aerated enough. There's not enough microbes in the the lower parts of the soil and it's not got enough space in between the soil particles to let that water really absorb deeply which is why earthworm and compost worm activity in nature is a really crucial thing. And then, of course, the worms are traveling out into your garden. They're also just bringing those nutrients in, which just helps plants to grow better. And I think that that's just, it's a pretty good factor on its own right there. (laughs) 
Uh, uh, yeah, I've got a great example. I was set up a, a subpod garden bed for six months. I was at a rental for six months. I set it up on the first week. And I'm not lying here. I've probably watered that garden like 10 times. And it, we live in subtropic conditions. There, There's a bit of rain up here, but I didn't, I didn't water it at all. And I didn't fertilize it. And the secret was, was there was so much action happening below ground. When I dismantled it and took the sub pot out, maybe I'll share some photos of, of it here. It was just so much life underneath it. There was so many worms in the, in the garden bed. I was like, wow, okay, this is, this is where all the nutrients were coming from. Like right out the worm's backside. It's like, wow. But technically those nutrients were actually coming from your kitchen. Because you were feeding those worms Good point. with your scraps. So, uh, yeah, just diverting yeah. that waste from bins and landfills and, you know, becoming something that creates methane and instead powering your own little veggie garden with it. I think that that's just true empowerment right there, to be honest. Yeah, it definitely does. Eating eating a carrot from your own garden or whatever your favorite food was. Mine was carrots. It's just like that, that crunch. Can't beat it. Can't beat it. All right, well, I think that that's all we can really talk about with this episode. So I hope that that answered the question about why Subplot chose worms and why we hope that you'll choose worms if you do choose to compost. And if you do, just put them in the ground. It's where they like to be. Yeah, thanks, Noah. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Subpodcast. Remember to share this episode with any curious composters you know if you enjoyed what we talked about today. If you have any questions, please reach out to us at hello at subpod.com. We'd love to include your questions in our episodes and give them the answers they really deserve. That's all for today, so we'll see you next episode.